below the giant appetite wherever you are around the world. We have Coco in the driver's seat for this week's podcast following the game against the Essendon Bombers up at Metricon on Friday night. Um, And just before we get started, remember to send us any fan mail questions or theories to neversurrenderpod at gmail.com and get us on Instagram at GWS underscore squinters or on Twitter at the squinters and send us through some pics and any questions, queries or theories that you may have. With me today, we have calling in uh, from within the Ring of Steel, reaching out. We have Bartman. Welcome, Bartman. Thank you, Coco. Happy to be here. Privilege. It's great. It's great to have you. And for the first time, we are, as they say, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. We have invited a uh, Bombers fan to join us at this pod to um, try and get in the mind of the enemy more than anything else. But calling in also from within the Ring of Steel is uh, my older brother, who is in many ways the Stevie J to my Toby Green, um, and that is Bomber Bim. Welcome, Bomber Bim, to Never Surrender. Morning, Coco. Morning, all. Very happy to be here. <laughs> I don't know so if we're happy well. to have an enemy uh, inside the bunker, Coco. We'll see how this goes. We've never done this before. He's <laughs> wearing a provocative beanie as well. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start as with all our new members for uh, Bomber Bim and, you know, on his trial run. Um, we just wanted to ask you a bit of background about yourself and if you can tell us your footy story. Yep, no worries. Um, uh, well, what do you want to start? What, what should I start with? Um, uh, look, I grew up north of the Barassi line, as certainly many of us on this pod, previous guests, hosts, so on. Guilty. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> it was given a bit of freedom who who I was going to support as a kid. <laughs> Went with the Bombers. Um, they've never let me down. Um, the only, oh, that's interesting. You know, <laughs> you know, it's the ups and downs as a football fan, isn't it? You know, you don't want to sustain periods of success or you get jaded. I mean, I know Jones supporters. Like, they're jaded. <laughs> They flog teams week in, week out, and they're not happy, you know? Horse fans. So, you know, there's been the ups and downs. I think it's just, you know that period where we were the best side in the comp by miles for about three or four years, and we only won one flag, though? That's that's the only disappointment, I suppose, 99 to 2001. Anyway, um, yeah, been a Bomber fan for a long time, through the ups and downs, and, uh, and here I am today. Thanks for joining us, Bomber Bim. Can we ask you to, um, as we do with all the players, and I'm not sure you'll know what 44 on the list, but could you give us your favourite giant? Oh, favourite giant? Yeah, um, De- Desi Haynes would be my favourite giant. <laughs> Always Thank been a big you. fan of Desi, just um, stylishly looming across the back line there, intercept marking, spoiling. Um, I love all that sort of thing. Working very well with filthy Phil Davis. And, and I do love how they draw attention to themselves with their hairdos. They, they look like extras in Game of Thrones to me, or perhaps to things. There's a few up there. Harry Himmelberg's yeah. another one. Yeah. Um, straight well, up that, the set onto the park. At least they haven't passed the peroxide bottle around like the bloody Bombers and the Pies have in the off-season this year. Who was that guy for the... Connor, it looks like Connor, Connor McKenna. McKenna. Connor McKenna's got the dregs of the, the peroxide bottle. He didn't even get a full, a full run at it. 
He's just got a dirty... Anyway, sorry. Sorry to interrupt I'm you. Not I'm not no, defending you, it, Batman. If you've got black hair like that, though, you, you need to know, and as Frenchie would have taught us back in the day, Batman, you, you need to do a two-pronged bleach. You've got yeah. to bleach first to get it orange and then bleach again to get it more into that white well, zone. As I, I th- I'm not the only one here who in the late 90s you know, dabbled in in, uh, in bleaching in the summer, summer off-season. And you know, I, when I raised it with my mum, I was told that, Yes, I was allowed to do it, but I had to go to her professional um, stylist, colorist, in order to do it, and it, it was a long process. Involved, mm. yeah, as you say, Coco, more than one, more than one tip of the bottle, but uh, the results were amazing. It never, never, uh, never able to replicate them again at, when I tried it at home. So, to all those dark haired kids out there, you can go white if you want. You, it, you just, uh, you just got to spend a fair bit of time and a bit, bit of money on it. I think it's all about the toner. All right. Well, let's dive into the issues of the week. Uh, First of all, just wanted to touch base as both of you are in Melbourne now um, after falling from grace from the Eternal City. Um, And just wanted to check in on how you're going with uh, stage four lockdown. Yeah, going fine. Thanks, uh, Coco. Um, Look, to me, um, the big issue I want to discuss about the stage four lockdown um, it's, I've been giving this a lot of thought and I'm glad to be on the pod um, to get some assistance from from, uh, from you guys. Now, the head of HR, uh, where I work, sent out an email a couple of weeks ago saying what it was going to mean for us under stage four lockdown. You know, no change was pretty much there. But what she said was that 2020 has thrown us a real curveball. And I thought to myself, well, there's got to be a more appropriate sporting metaphor. Mm. And on the one hand, I don't like, you know, it's a you know, curveball. It's an American one. That's a baseball yep. play, right? So yep. that, that's one yep. thing. That's one strike. Of, yeah, <laughs> love it, love it, man. That's one strike. So let me just share with you a couple of things I came up with, and I'd like to throw that open to the group. So one, I thought, well, a curveball, that sounds fairly gentle. Surely it's more Stark to McCullum in 2015 at the World Cup final. That's one. <laughs> Sorry about this one, Coke, but Harmison de Clark, Edge Bastard. Oh, uh, no. Don't remind me. <laughs> That's another one. Mitchell Johnson to Annie Pom in, you know, that Ashes where he took 41 wickets. Yeah, uh, 2015. <laughs> but I'm not sure if either of them are right. The other thing, the other way I think about it is possibly that um, really 20, 2020, I mean, there's so many things that have happened this year. I feel like it's the fifth day of the test and we're just trying to save a draw, you know. Don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Don't do anything spectacular. I mean, the bushfires were like the first new ball. We lost a couple of wickets. Then the spinners came on. There were men around the bat in the first lockdown. Now I feel maybe, I don't know, we only got a couple of wickets left in hand and we just got to, we just got to play it under the nose and uh, and keep it down, leave anything we don't have to play. That's it. Uh, I was going to... Marks and fading light, though. I was going to ask Bim if, if it, rather than a curveball, it was more of a, a Trevor Chapel underarm. <laughs> <laughs> In terms, in terms of uh, what we're able to make of, of what's being served up to us down here, what, <laughs> That's right. what, what, what return we're getting on, on what's being delivered. Yeah, fair enough, but I mean, we can't do anything with it other than just pat it back to the bowl. Again. Can't do anything and throw our bat away in disgust. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. In some ways, it's the uh, Joey Danaher as well, just got a sore groin and hasn't showed up for two years. And, and, <laughs> and desperate to move to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Bim, can I ask you one more professional uh, 
and you know the, the listeners will understand that you work in the um, water industry yeah. and I've heard some success stories about predicting coronavirus in different areas by checking the sewerage as it'll pass through someone's system more quickly than yep. you know like people show symptoms and get tested and so you can pick yep. it up in the water in the sewerage like we- a week before you'll actually get positive cases well are you guys right. working that's on that right. No, you're very well informed, Coco. There are people at my work involved in that project, and it's across across Australia, and I think internationally as well. Um, but they can they can detect the virus in the sewage. It depends where you're detect where where you're sampling, I suppose, um, as to what part of the sewer network and what type of population it's serving. But definitely, yeah, they can pick up the asymptomatic cases and stuff. I'm not sure it's a substitute for any of the other measures they're taking, um, but it certainly helps, and I think it'll be something they'll look at in the future. Interestingly, that technique is something they use as well. They use sewer sampling to actually um, look at rates of illicit drug use mm. around around the city um, and around the country. I was going to say, Bim, it's uh, you can't pick up much coronavirus in the eastern suburbs of Sydney via this technique, can you? Because uh, you just your uh, your testing panel's just overwhelmed with the cocaine levels. Yeah. <laughs> Does coronavirus no. precipitate out with cocaine? It does, mate. You get you get this bright purple signal. It just overwhelms everything else. <laughs> no, look, Bardo, you can you can um, you can look this stuff up. Um, the CSIRO, it's a joint report between some branch of the CSIRO and the cops, like some sort of um, investigative unit where they they take all this sewage sampling data and do a report each year. Operation and, Splashdown, uh, I think they call it. <laughs> Operation Splashdown, and it is one of those ones they find. They look at re- regional areas and they. Find and um, it's ice that's mainly used oh, yeah. in the oh, yeah. affluence. <laughs> Snowtown. It's cocaine. So it's one of those <laughs> yeah. things. Like, it's like, um, yeah, they've done a lot of research to find something they probably knew anyway. But, you know, you can yeah, look exactly. at stuff <laughs> nice. and you know, find out whether it's going up or down. You don't have to rely on people self-reporting. <laughs> it makes some, make some cuts to the welfare system. <laughs> those sort of approaches. <laughs> I, lo- I love that we've ended up out on this uh, tangential branch. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, uh, to bring us back in, Barman, I think the, the, the number one issue coming out of the game really was all about um, who many would say is the most courageous player in the game, Callan Ward, and uh, <clears throat> that free kick after he got you know absolutely smashed in the head, mm. in, in my opinion. By that dirtbag um, McKernan. Yeah, so the question is, there's two questions here. Firstly, was it a dive? Uh, Do you want me to address the first question? Yeah, please. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Next question. No, yeah. (laughs) Bomber Bin, do you have a different different take? Uh, Look... You know, I'm going to sit on the fence. He did get hit in the head, but he did put a bit of gravy on it as well. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. That is a. I'm with you, Bim. That's fine. And and I'd just like to make the point. Listening to the telecast last night from our broadcast partners at, at Channel Seven, um, on a different game, it, it amazes me how how happy the commentators are to describe all the other areas of the game where players massage the rules in their favor as professional like yeah. the, the way the way they'll see it out across the boundary line or see it across the goal line under minimal pressure all those things or they'll or they'll feign attempts at yeah. getting rid of the ball when they're wrapped up yeah. those are yeah. those are professional but the second yeah. that Callum Ward does maybe a, an extra half turn on a pirouette after copping a hip to the temple um, <laughs> suddenly it's uh, panic stations we've got to give him $500 fine because we gave one to Tom Papley the night before and 
And I don't know if anyone else noticed the little love tap to the same temple he got from Dylan Shiel about 10 seconds later as he was trying to get to his feet. And the other thing about Callum Ward is he didn't stay down flopping around like a dead fish on the turf after this incident. He popped straight back up. So I think there's there's flopping and diving and there's putting a little bit of gravy on it, as you said, Bim. And I think this is very much the latter, not the former. Yeah. Just helping the umpires do their job. Exactly right. Like it's a, as and, and that's the other thing the commentators love to say as well, which is oh geez, it's really tough for the umpires out there, and they have such a difficult job, and blah blah blah. So yeah, look, they're just trying to help them out. This sort of thing happens countless times a game. I just I think there's undue scrutiny on it, and uh, we should really be talking about the um, you know <laughs> the <laughs> the fisticuffs and and glad glad grabbing that was going on in the Richmond rooms um, the night before. <laughs> Oh mate, that mate, that sort of stuff is the that's the lowest form of banter in any sort of team sport yeah. situation. <laughs> if you can't if you can't get a laugh out of your teammates without you know oh. uh, introducing oh. a digit or a, or a slapping slapping the genitals, then yeah, yeah. you've really got no chat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You got to work on other parts of your personality if that's where you're uh, if that's where your banter's at. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that Hugh because it was Hugh Remington right that went at uh, Damien Hardwick yeah ah, they sent in the big guns yeah I like that I really like that and he didn't didn't let him get off no, no. it's all about education according to Dimmer all, it's all about educating yeah. players yeah Mate, um, and, and so my, my, actual, my actual second part of the Callum Ward question was, um, for that little bit of grave he put on, did he, did he deserve the death threats that he did receive from the Essendon supporters? <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll send this one straight over to Bomber Bim, chairman of the, uh, yeah. the, the, bomber, the, the bomber death squad that <laughs> coordinates their online response. Look, I've already said it was fair enough he's copped it in the head. Oh, there's nothing worse than... You know what I think, though? Nothing worse than a death threat. Why do you publicise clowns on Twitter who have said something stupid? You know, like, why is that in the paper? It's on the back page. Idiot on Twitter, anonymous idiot says something stupid. The media should ignore it. Mm. I, I agree. Um, I think we're all hoping one day that we'll be able to identify one of these idiots and then, you know, yeah, publicly exactly. shame them. Because if there's one thing that tabloid newspaper readers love, it's a public shaming. Yeah, exactly. So any yeah. opportunity for one of those, the shadden fraud you get from it is just, uh, it's, you know, yeah. amazing. You'd, you'd, yeah. love for, you'd love for one of these uh, one of these people to use their real account rather than a burner account to make yeah. these accusations accidentally. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just preposterous, isn't it? It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And also, it's one of those, we should have been in front by further. You know, like we were in free. If we, we had a, kept up the momentum from the second quarter, we wouldn't have to worry about whether Cal Ward got a free kick in the final term. We should have been six goals up. Yeah. And have been worried about That's, it. So, you in, know, maybe yeah. let's look within. In, in, That's in your defence, Bim. In your in your team's defence, Bim, you know what was it? Eighteen points at three quarter time. Yep. Yeah. So that in a, in a sixteen minute quarter is, as I think I've alluded to in previous pods, that that feels more like a four or five goal lead. It, it does feel like that's a defendable, um, a lead going into the final change. So I I feel like that means we've got to give some kudos to our to the G boys. Oh, exactly right. Well, they were in front anyway, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. No? Yeah, that's the thing. A couple of points in front. Um, 
I saw it too, and I know we're trying to keep this a stat-free and conjecture-only zone, <laughs> but one thing that did, they did pop up on the telecast was, and we always we often talk about this on the pod, is that our boys don't normally come back. You know, they're no. normally, if we're in front, we're okay, but we rarely come back. But mm. this was only the second time we've come back for more than 16 points at three-quarter time and one. Yeah, the last time was three years ago. And, yeah, yeah. and I think, unfortunately for us, it's often if even if if the uh, margin is established early in the first quarter, we don't come back from yeah. it. You know, no, yeah, so, exactly. Well, you know, everyone has bad weeks and stuff, but I've always seen, seen the G boys as a side that wins the close ones. Oh, that's true. No, you're right. And in, there was another stat thrown up, Coco, that with, yeah, in games of decided by less than. A goal. a goal where eight from ten or something or something like that. So it was thirteen from fifteen. Oh, 13 from fifteen. But so, but but that's where we've kept it really close. But but if a team gets like two or three goals on us, like in the first eight minutes of a game, it's it's often all over from that point onwards. Yeah, I guess. So my question is, if the Giants are thirteen from fifteen in games that are um, decided by less than a goal, and Pete Sampras was the tiebreak master. In tennis, who would you take head-to-head in a dart-throwing competition with one throw left that had to hit? <laughs> what, Sampras or the Giants? <laughs> yeah, that's my question. Who plays the pressure better? <laughs> who would be throwing the dart? I'm, I'm imagining that Australian dart guy that's had a recent resurgence. What's his name? He's got hectic mullet. What, the Wizard? The Wiz, yes. <laughs> For me, he encapsulates Western Sydney, so yeah. <laughs> I'm going with the, the representative. I think the real question, Coco, in what you've raised there is if the Giants had to throw a single dart against Pete Sampras to win the tiebreak, who would throw the dart? Jeremy, Ka- no, Toby yeah. Green, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> or um, or Callan Ward, even after a head knock, would manage to guide <laughs> yeah. it through the big stick in the crunch. Yeah, throw it straight. <laughs> Could, he, he could. There was every. All of the posts looked big to him after that head knock. He was just. He was just kicking at a bright light. The poor bloke. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, so then, moving into um, the next issue we've got from the week, um, and this is something ongoing week by week, um, and that's the ruck battle that's going on within the Giants. Um, Mumford, the Swordfish, and. Cab Sav, Sam Jacobs, who's our number one ruck? They played five games each for the season and both had bad games and both had good games. So I'm just thinking, you know, do we have a clear pick or are they going to end up playing like, you know, 10 games each and then toss a coin, who gets the granny? I actually think that's pretty close to how it will pan out, Coco. And I think okay. perhaps that was always the plan, that, that Mumford <clears throat> was never going to physically... Um, hold up to a full season of rucking the whole time. Um, and I actually thought Source was was going to be numero uno coming into the season and then he yeah. just had a couple of real shit performances. And then Mummy came back and that coincided with our, with our resurgence. So I thought he had the upper hand. But as I said last week, I thought Source was, was serviceable out of the ruck, had some telling taps, grabbed it out of the, the ruck late in the fourth and threw it on the boot, which is... You know, I love to see that. It's so a good I, sign. Yeah, yeah, good sign. Bit of confidence creeping back into his game. So I, <clears throat> I don't know who who has the upper hand, but I would I'd still point out that they bring different things to the table, different strengths, different uh, you know, different tools in their tool belt, if you will. 
So who would you play against? Like, you know, Nick Nat is probably, you know, the best Ruckman. I mean, there's a lot of great Ruckman with, you know, Gorn and Grundy and, mm. you know, Mummy normally goes well on Grundy. But, you know, if we're playing West Coast in the granny, who would you who would you throw at Nick Nat? Oh, mate, look, either of them would get absolutely towed up by Nick Nat in the granny. So there's no... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't... I feel like that's almost a moot point. I mean, you could throw Mummy in there just to try and lay some lay some bodywork on him around the ground yeah. and before he takes off and at least at least Nick Nat will still have 50 clearances but will feel every one of them um, Mate, he'll he'll do it with mummy hanging off him that's yeah, the problem that's, so look yeah maybe that's not the right question who's going to go best against Nick Nat because but it's yeah. it's more who will who will go worse it's interesting, right? Because, you know, we, we thought the Cab Sav was the answer mm. and then uh, Mummy's been going really well. But then again, I suppose the other issue is um, that connection, you know, and I mean, if, if, if Cab Sav's getting better every week playing, you know, with uh, Timmy Taranto and the boys. Mm. <clears throat> well, maybe, yeah. Now that our midfield stocks are replenishing, it becomes, yeah. a, it becomes a, uh, a question of the sort of telepathic mind connection they were able to establish exactly. during the week. Yeah, um, and we, we leave it up to them. So there's all these all this stuffs going on in the background behind closed doors at Giants HQ. We don't really know, you know. Which, it's interesting, right? We, yeah. yeah, yeah. My heart says mummy, but my my brain sort of says uh, Sav. Yeah, mm. I'm with you. Longer term, and I, as the season like, like progresses. Yeah, I think he should get better. Mm. Is he there should, an is there an element, yep. boys? You've got, I mean, you've got two uh, ruckmen who are in in the latter part of their careers. Let's say, yeah. Um, you know, they're they're, they're going to struggle to play the twenty two games or however many we're playing this year, mm. and they're just, um, you know, using a rotation type policy. Or or is um, is Leon Cameron keeping them hungry? I th- <laughs> bit from both columns, I think, uh, Bim. And I think you, you're absolutely right with the uh, latter half of their careers uh, observation, g- given Mummy's already tried to retire at least once. <laughs> and I think, I think he'd actually re- attempted to retire from country footy before Geelong picked him up as well, back when he was getting paid with you know, unlimited sausages from the barbecue as his match payments. <laughs> I think he'd already given it away back then. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's about sixty percent uh, resting, and then probably about forty percent keeping them hungry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And then also the other side of that coin is um, is keeping giving them both an element of match fitness. You know, one of them could go down at any minute, so you've got to yeah, that's you've true. Got to make sure the other one's ready to go. I mean, the bombers are in a similar boat. Actually, we've got um, Big Bell Chambers who's been in and out, and again, as you said, Bartman, we're not in the inner sanctum. We don't know what's going on, but within the four walls. Mm. Um, so I don't know what's going on there, but you know, we've got Big Bell Chambers. We've got this other bloke, Phillips, I think. Yeah, Phillips, and, uh, who you got from the G Boys. Yeah, that's right. Journeyman. Now, he, now he's been overshadowed by Big Don Draper, who's come in and thrown himself around. <laughs> yeah, with a Larry side. haircut. He's, yeah, he jumps high, grabs it out of the ruck and roosts it, like mm. looking a very enterprising mm. young ruckman. Yeah, it celebrates it a good, it celebrates a goal quite nicely too. Yeah, that was good. That was a good. That was a good moment in the game. Mm. I only watched the replay, so I knew we'd won the game. So yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could appreciate Big Donny's uh, Tim Tam. Yeah, and yeah, the, did you watch it with the sound? When it's sounds of the game at the end of the telecast, where you can actually hear the you know the woo and the yeah let's go boys stuff it's good (laughs) gets the hairs on the back of your neck up Uh, and then just before we actually get into the match review and to finish up the issues of the week this is actually i wanted to add an addendum onto the um cast from i believe last week when we discussed the lids and the comments he had about his 
former teammates at the Giants um, saying that they're all, you know, trying to do it themselves, this and that. And I thought going pretty negative on the Giants. Um, and I just thought I was very disappointed with that in Brett Delidio. And I just thought, you know, coming from him, someone who's come up, huge raps on him, didn't do anything in his three years at the Giants, barely got on the park. He did some great work on the ropes at training, which we've all seen the photos. Did some and great work on our salary cap as well, I think you'll find, Coco. Yeah, exactly, mate. Absolutely cleaned up and did absolutely, you know, nothing for the team. And then he's come in, what, six months after playing his last game with them and he's already ragging out the boys on TV. I think that's, um, I think that's pretty much unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And I'd just like to follow that up with thinking about all the um, – recruits that we've actually brought into the Giants and there hasn't been that many because we've done so much through drafting I'm going to throw it out there that he's actually the worst recruit we've ever brought in because <clears throat> if, you, if you think about the other senior players and he's a, he's a number one draft pick and he used to carry Richmond around on his back mm-hmm. you know he did nothing for us he was playing as a half forward he was behind Toby Green and I'm going to say that Daniel Lloyd played better footy for him in the three years he was at the Giants as well. Yeah, look, I don't and think you're too far off it uh, there, Coco. Um, I'm thinking of other, you know, high, big big name sort of mature age recruits that we brought in. You know, Stevie J. Stevie J, Ryan Griffin. Um, yep, excellent, excellent. Mumford. Uh, Corns. I think in Pete our... Shaw. Yeah, I mean, I think... Definitely impact on the park, you know, through injury or, or otherwise, it was minimal from from Lids. And to the point where late in 2019, I thought he was a sentimental pick in the latter latter portion of the season more than he yeah, was I think on you mean, form. I think you mean liability, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I saw him. I caught up with Lids uh, on on the front bar the other week. Um, yep. You know, and the boys talked to him quite a lot about his time at Richmond, which was obviously the the majority of his career. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that goes some way to explain perhaps you know how he's approached his time at the Giants because I think his career, you know, he he's a Richmond man through and through. That's the part of his football career that looms largest in his mind and. Um, so it then becomes easier to perhaps be critical about the team that you went to in pursuit of a flag at, in the last bit of your career um, and who you objectively didn't play very well for at any stage. Yeah. All right. That's very diplomatic, Barman. Yeah. Look, you know. It is what it is. Yeah. As, as uh, Donald Trump says, it is what it is. <laughs> Anyway, I'm glad I'm to be out. I'm glad I'm out there in the uh, on the public record. Yeah. Well, get him on the. Um, it'd be great to get him on the pod. So, Lids, if you're listening, mate, if you if you'd like <laughs> exactly. to, if you'd like to shed some light, provide clarification, background. You know, if you were misquoted or taken out of context. Exactly. We specialise in that sort of stuff on this pod. So, come mate, on board. I'd just drop us a line on our socials. I'd just ask him to name at least twenty blokes that play at the Giants. I'm not sure he could. <laughs> <laughs> 
moving on moving on to the match now it's time for the match review um and i've got to say that you know sort of led by growler the official position on leon cameron isn't that great amongst the squinters but i thought he had a uh, brilliant game and I'd, i'd be giving him the best on ground for the coach i thought putting um phil davis up forward in the second half was a stroke of genius and phil davis looked very deadly when he was up there um and I thought playing Cal Water for half back would sort of really worked as well. Um, so I thought, uh, and I thought he managed to turn the boys around. Like we said, we don't often come from behind, um, but I thought he managed to harness, you know, the team's energy and um, and sort of change it. So I, re- I really loved it, and I thought he was a big reason um, that the boys got the win. Yeah, I'm, uh, and I liked actually um, post game. <clears throat> you know what I love to see is after a win. When players and coaches are, are still a bit salty, they're not they're not satisfied with the win, yeah. and it's mm. it's the most salt I've seen out of Leon in a post game uh, interview um, in a while. Even even when we've been flogged, he's sort of be, been more positive than he was. So it's in an odd way his negativity in that post match interview about the way we played for for much of the game, particularly the first half, I think bodes well because he's finally you know getting a bit of bit of iron into his uh into his coaching approach and maybe and so maybe that was also part of the difference along with his inspired uh send the backs to the forwards routine this game the old <laughs> throw the big bloke into the goal square. yeah the old uh under under 12s uh switch him around <laughs> when the boys aren't listening in in the halftime huddle maneuver i thought phil davis really played the part of a uh full forward to a tee, though. He took one big, strong mark, you know, gave off that handball, took another mark, was starting to look dangerous, then sort of went off with an injury for a while, spent a bit of time in the sheds doing run-throughs where they could cut the footage to him and then did a few warm-up run-throughs on the ground and then got back out there later in the game. And I just thought that's that's yeah. just full forward through and through. Oh, and, and did you see also late in the game, case, classic full forward, so standing on the sideline but directing traffic, te- <laughs> telling, telling other people where to run. So he's still worried about people getting in his space even when he's not on the ground. Perfect. <laughs> um but there was, um, Bim, coming from the Bombers' side, how did you approach the game? Because I know you guys have, um, you know, decimated with injury, especially in the forward half of the ground. Yeah, and that's probably why um, Leon was so dirty about only beating us by, by five points or seven points or whatever the margin was in the end. Um, we had Langford up forward who, who tried hard. And look, he's big, str- big and strong. He can take a contested mark. He so kicked a couple, right? Yeah, he's kicked a couple. He's a straight kick. He's yeah. a big kick as well. Yeah. Um, so, so that was good uh, with Langford up forward. I did like seeing Connor McKenna in the forward line. Um, big Connor McKenna fan. Um, and that move, I just love um, seeing some of the creative things Connor McKenna does in the game. Like that goal he kicked, slid in, and then and then yeah. used the slide to change direction. You know, like picking up and throwing in the outfield. And I just loved yeah. how he did that. You don't see that a lot. Um, no. Blokes, um, you know, brought up in suburban and country football around here. Mm. Well, mate, uh, Heath, so Heath, Shore, Heath Shore had never seen anything like it, and he's played 320 games. Well, he's seen a lot, Heath Shore, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. Any comments on Heath Shore kicking a bag? Oh, yeah, that's right. That, that, that's a huge issue. Two two goals. Uh, what is it? They, and I think the commentators reminded him it's the first time he's done that since 2012. So, yeah, is that good, right? good effort. And, in fact, his second goal, uh, while we were earlier on the subject of... Um, 
infringements the commentators and, and the public general public are happy to shine a light on and ones they're happy to ignore was was the direct result of him baiting the aforementioned yeah. <laughs> Connor McKenna in a in a in a ground wrestling match which Heath Shaw is obviously a master at uh, yeah. a few seconds so he sets he sets the groundwork there and then uh, baits poor old McKenna into reacting and yeah. uh, gets a free kick it was classic case, sure. But no, no one mentioned, no one's, um, no one's worried about that from a laws of the game or spirit of the game perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. The old yeah. firm, like Heath Shaw, I think that's why. Mm. I can it's only. Great seeing, yeah, it's great seeing those players though. The um, the like the bloke with the non-traditional background who's pretty new to his career up against Heath Shaw, the old dog, and yeah. you know they they both got their own, you know, in different ways. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah, mm. that was a really nice matchup. Yeah, really good to see. <laughs> Um, the other highlight, of course, for me was um, Dylan Shields' long bomb <laughs> from the centre square. I don't know what was going on because you know how Dylan Shields, like, and, and, you know, I know my fellow Bomber fans are sometimes a little nonplussed about Shields' contributions. Mm. Like, top player, yeah. looks really good. Um, looks, yeah. great when he, well, looks great when he rubs the bloody canola oil on the biceps before the game. Oh, yeah, mate, absolutely. And, you know, like, yeah, very striking player, gets a lot of the footy, you know when he's got it, but it's that it's that, it's that almost bomb inside 50 where it's just the big up and under and uh, and let the big man fly. It just made me think, maybe that's what he's been trying to do the whole time, maybe he's actually going for goal. And just gets a bit, he just needs to get it up into the wind or whatever happened with that one. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, really nice to see. It just kept going, didn't it? Yeah. I, I, I think there was a comment on our uh, squinters in a sanctum chat him that um you know we're salty that he'd never done anything like that <laughs> at the giants uh he's been trying to every time he goes inside 50 it? i think that's what he's trying to do yeah okay. one time he's made a good clean connection but, well <laughs> it makes it makes sense now i guess also it's odd that um it, it took a move to a melbourne club for him to develop a very giant-esque haircut with the with the top knot yeah. i mean he was short back and sides while he was up in um Western Sydney. Well, yep. really, he lived in Eastern Sydney. But uh, yeah. moves down to Windy Hill, and next minute, he's got the sumo wrestler top knot going. Yeah, I, look, I think that's, um, you know, obviously, you know, ISO, we've had to go in one of two ways, either go the ISO bars or just let it grow. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, He's let it grow mm. and, uh, and has never looked back, so good luck to him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, with that sort of haircut too, he's probably got a you know a favourite coffee bean or something like that. He orders as well. Well, mate, down here in lockdown, in the ring of, within the ring of steel, Coco, everyone's got a favourite bean, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you got one for different days of the week. You got one for different dew points in the uh, in the atmospheric, you know, water content, all sorts of things. Mate, they should start checking the sewerage in the different areas about what sort of beans are in the water, they and then should. they can track the illegal shipments coming through the Ring of Steel. Well, they actually, I'm sure happening. I would like to see that after the weather on the nightly news. Just the bean, <laughs> bean track, you'd call it. <laughs> I got a mate. I got a mate who rang me up to ask, um, drawing on my professional um, expertise, uh, what, what's the water hardness in various suburbs of Melbourne, just so he could um, optimise the cleaning and maintenance regime in the coffee machine. Let me guess, it was hardest in Broadmeadows. <laughs> Softest in Turak. If, if they start a bean track, Bart, man, it could be the, um, the, first, the first sign of uh, gentrification. Oh, don't get me started on gentrification. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think I'm part of gentrification, you know. 
You are yeah. bad. <laughs> you know, another point on gentrification, I know a bloke who used to live in Northcote, really good fella, and he, he moved over to Footscray for a while. This would have been maybe six or seven years ago. After a year, he moved back to Northcote, and he said, oh, Footscray, it's not bad, but not gentrified enough yet. Right, <laughs> <laughs> just wait till interest rates drop below two, and uh, this pandemic's over, and you won't recognise Footscray. <laughs> Is it the place now, though? Isn't it gentrifying as we speak? Well, yeah, it's obviously where everyone who thought Fitzroy was cool three years ago has moved. That and Coburg, yeah. I think, Bim, they seem to be the, the names that the hipsters are throwing around now. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't know. But yeah, just thought. I'd love to see. I'd love to see the single origin on the bean tracker and see how that's how that's. Uh, <laughs> if you can do a direct a direct DNA match between the bean in in the sewage in Footscray from a uh, a coffee plantation in uh, I don't know Kenya, all from the same <laughs> DNA genome, whatever. <laughs> Mate, put your funding proposal into the Syro, but I, I should. Know, um, <laughs> should. This is what lockdown's for, projects like this. I mean, they're taking the samples. You just need them to run another analysis. Exactly right. Simple as that. Mm. Um, another interesting matchup, I thought, from the uh, game was, um, and, and, and it really came to light when Timmy Taranto picked Andy McGrath's pocket late yes. in the fourth quarter. Yep. Yep. And I thought that was a good matchup, right? Because Andy McGrath, he was the number one pick that year, wasn't he? He was. And you always play with a bit of extra spice against the bloke that went number one in yeah. your draft, I imagine. So. And, and Taranto still went too. Grudge, Timmy Taranto, you reckon? Yeah, it's not really a grudge. It's just a, I'm a better player than you, mate. Sort of vibe. Yeah. Well, my question is, you know, and McGrath gets big raps, right? Mm. Is he the future? Oh, yeah, very, the, uh, very solid player. Yeah, but not superstar material, Bim. No, well, it's that it, it's you know with the number one pick, you know, do you pick, pick the potential player or do you pick the solid player who's going to be a, a contributor? Mm. I see this, you know, this Carlton bloke Walsh who mm. was very good last year, but I mean, yeah. you know, uh, one paced, yeah, yeah, that's right, you know, honest toiler and that sort of thing, obviously going to be a reliable contributor for years, but um, you know, but Timmy Toronto is probably a bit different, isn't he? Yeah, it's, I feel he's got more superstar potential, and it's yep. He's, you know, great tats as well, which is important in the modern yeah. game. So, yeah, I noticed in the post thing. game too, he's actually got a um, line shaved into his eyebrow, which I really appreciate. Yeah, yeah. So, these are all things that McGrath could work on. I mean, it, <laughs> especially in ISO. I, I don't know if the tat shops are open from an infection control point of view, but um, yeah, look, these are aspects of his game that there's glaring deficiencies. Yeah, but look, you know where he has led the way in being is in being the number one. Draft pick and straight away requesting the number one jumper. I do like that. Yeah, it's always having. I think actually it should be compulsory. Actually, yeah, you wear it just for that year. Like, if not forever, but at least for that year, you wear it. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's but what good. would Carlton have done when they had? Yeah. <laughs> 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 True. When they had fifteen blokes that were yeah. former number one picks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can you can put minus one. You can put plus one. You can put like Roman numeral one. <laughs> Minus one is obviously your bottom of the, of the ones of the former ones. Just or put, a, put a bit of white, pick. bit of white electrical tape just to, to put a big minus in front of the, <laughs> the one. 
Um, one thing I did like from the game too, um, one of my favourite players is uh, the big dorsal, Jeremy Finlayson. Uh, yes. I love that bloke and how he goes about it. And he just gives yep. him a different look every time. Mm. Um, and I think he's, he's really – last year he kicked um, – 44 goals or something and was, you know, second only to Jeremy Cameron at the Giants. Um, but this year, he's been really um, doing that back... He's been backup rucking consistently every game of the season. He's been the backup yeah. ruck. And, you know, because teams can't carry two rucks anymore with the shortened games. Especially so with their, been, when the two rucks are over the age of 30 or 32. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> absolutely. But it, it, he's been really strong in the backup rucking. And he's been tackling a lot too. He's been chasing blokes down, tackling. He's been doing heaps of stuff. Yep. Um, but he's, again, one of those players. You look at his – after the game, if you look at his numbers – they're never any good, you know. He's only he's only ever got like nine possessions, something like that. Yeah, five. He had five on on uh, the other night. But yeah, he's incredibly important. They're all macro possessions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. a terrific player, Finlayson. Um, I had a couple of things to throw in about Finlayson that I've heard recently. Um, yeah. One, we were watching. Uh, who were the Giants playing a couple of weeks ago? Um, I can't remember. Tigers. It was during the Friday night, you know, on the Friday night halftime, they talked to the Oz kicker of the week. Uh, yeah, yep. The Hammer, Hamish McLaughlin, does an interview yep, over yep, Zoom yep. at the moment. Anyway, they were talking to this um, this kid. Um, he was a Koori kid from up in the Snowy Mountains somewhere. That's where he said he was from. Oh, yeah. You know, footy heartland up there. It wasn't Jindabyne either, so I'd never heard of the <laughs> Jindabyne. Anyway, he was there with the Giants kid on, big Giants fan, and the Hammer asked him who his favourite player was. Straight up, Jeremy Finlayson. Oh, thought, capturing yeah, capturing awesome. the hearts and minds. That's great. Yeah, that's right. In the footy heartland of the Snowy Mountains, somewhere mm. between Jindabone and Bombala. Yeah. So anyway, that was, that was really good to see and Koki would have loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing I heard was um, just listening to SEN, one of our other broadcast partners, I suppose, Butter. They are, yeah. We're in negotiations <laughs> with them actually. but <laughs> They were going through, um, you know, the, the bloopers of the week, bagging their fellow commentators for saying stupid stuff and they replayed a bit where someone was talking about a Giants game and said, oh, you know, they're just so dangerous uh, inside the forward 50 um, the Giants, they got Cameron, they got Green, they got Fimmelberg. <laughs> you know, so many options, he was just merging them together. And, yeah. and apparently someone else had called um, Himmelberg. Um, oh, no, they mixed it up the other way. Anyway, there you go. That's good. Fimmelberg. <laughs> Uh, th- Mate, well, they, they do a good job. Fimmelberg is the you know the second the second option then behind Jeremy Cameron, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Very handy, very handy players, both of them. Mm. The laconic superstar. I'm hoping they can um, get the get the cash together and uh, throw it at him, get him to re-sign for next year. Yeah, yeah. Is that wait, so? Is a uh, Finlayson's off contract? Is he Coke? at the end of this yep. year? Uh, off yeah. contract. Throw it at yeah. him, mate. Throw yeah. it at him. Yeah, that's what I reckon. Mm. I thought since um, you got rid of Tomlinson, you'd now got room to keep on to, to hold both Himmelberg and Finlayson. Well, when uh, no, when when Tomlinson left, left, we were able to sign up uh, Canelio and Whitfield. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you got some cattle, don't you? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cattle. Yeah. Um, 
But that, that was it, actually. And you bring up the point, Bim, but, you know, obviously as soon as the Giants playing, you know, beat a club, especially a Melbourne club, you know, like yeah. the Bombers, the, the articles aren't about the game. They're about yeah. who the who, which Giants players the Bombers should target in the next, you know, trade season mm-hmm. is obviously, yeah. you know, the first place they go with, you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the newspaper outlets mm-hmm. um, yeah, and even, yeah, even right. the AFL website. But we shared that, that article I sent to you blokes um, yep. was about, you know, which which of the Giants players they've got. And there's three blokes that were drafted two years ago in the first round, Jackson yep. Haitley, Xavier yep. O'Halloran, who he debuted Debut, tonight. Yep. Yep. And Jai Cordwell. And they're saying they're all, you know, they've done their two-year contracts finishing yep. this year. And, you know, what's what's next for them? And yep. do, you, do you even know those players, Bim? And would you be interested? Uh, um, so if I could start uh, with a few points on that. Um, one, I don't think we're the only city in the world um, where the sports coverage focuses on the clubs in the, in the city. I don't think we're the only ones there, um, but yes. I do appreciate that. Um, yep. So there's that. Jackson Haitley, he's the blonde fella, isn't he? Yeah, yep, yep. Yep, so I know him. The other two, um, don't know. Um, yep. But the other thing is, I suppose, it's um, it, it can be a bit hard to get a read on these fringe players at strong clubs and really know yeah. how good they are, you know, like... Yeah, um, especially when there's not a second-tier comp going on at the moment where you can at least be like, yeah. oh, so-and-so had 55 yeah. touches in the VFL this week. Yeah. No, that's true. And But it's it's also that, um, you know, if, if you do get a run, you're one of these blokes, Haitley or whoever those other blokes are you mentioned, Coco. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the midfielders who are defending on them, they got a fair bit to worry about, don't they? With the yeah, likes exactly. of um, they got Hopper, they got Torano, they got Kelly, they got Cornelio, they got Whitfield. So, so chances are you're gonna you're gonna get free a while and be able to do a bit of damage. Exactly. I look back to a bit like, um, you know, in Geelong were really good back in sort of 07 to to 02 yeah. or whatever, and, and they talk sometimes about you know a fringe player would have, or not a fringe player, but a, a contributor would have a good game, like a guy like. Um, you know, like, and these are great players, don't get me wrong. Um, Kelly, Joel Corey. A Mackie or someone. Yeah, Mac- Mackie, exactly, oh. these sort of blokes. You know, they're, they're good players, but but sometimes they'd really get wrapped up, you know? Like, oh, if they were at another club, they'd be a superstar. Oh, they never get any brand low votes. Imagine they were someone else, they'd, they'd dominate. Not like, well, would they? I mean, you know, if you're playing Geelong, you've got a fair bit to worry about mm. back there. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's very hard to just get a read on some of these blokes, Coco, and I think the the list managers and the recruiters have got a big job ahead of them to try and work yeah. out uh, what these blokes um, are like, how good they are, and also, if they do come to your club, how you're going to get the best out of them mm. and yeah. um, where they need to play and, and where you need someone to play and do that job. So, very hard to say, Coco. Yeah. I think I think that in a lot of ways, though, it's less risky than taking an 18-year-old. I agree. Or, you know, yeah, like I was just about, about to make that point. Yeah. Because, yeah, these, these blokes have all had two years in the system, you know, two full pre-seasons, been training hard. I mean, yep. you know, the, a lot of them, um, XOs had injuries, um, particularly in Caldwell, did a little bit last year, I think. But, yep. you know, they've had two years already in the system, know sort of what the standard is. So, yep. why wouldn't you think like they're, you know, and we haven't seen, we still don't know their potential, really. Yep. Although that said, we had blokes, Timmy Taranto and Jacob Hopper, by the end of their second year, they were, you know, Legit. two names that were written, mm. they were two names written on the whiteboard in, you know, in uh, marker before the game. They weren't, you know, they weren't the fringe players. They permanent, were key players. Permanent marker, not whiteboard marker. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, because these guys like they're sort of shuffling him through games. Like I thought Jackson Haley's played a couple and he's been pretty good. I thought. Yeah. But then you know they're giving Caldwell a game now. They're giving XO a few games. You know they're just sort of trying him out. You know, and they're sort of the eighteen to twenty-two players. You know, ranked players in the side. So mm. it's interesting. Yeah. Look, I agree. I think their credentials as an AFL player are no worse than they were two years ago when they were drafted. Exactly. Um, and in in some respects are better in the sense that they haven't been a complete flop the way some people are after a high draft pick. But <clears throat> the, the, the downside of limited opportunity with superstars in front of you is, yeah, you may not get the chance to showcase your wares as, as often or as fully. Um, and, that, and that becomes difficult to, for clubs who are looking to bolster their stocks to decide whether they want you or not, as Bim was saying. But you, you, I, I think their form or their credentials as 18-year-olds is still something you'd consider because you know, yeah. that was what got them drafted in the first place. And uh, in the absence of anything else, you'd still look at that and say, well, he was a superstar two years ago and he's been at a club that has a history of developing young players yep. well. Yes, good players, yeah. And, um, and you yeah. know, treating them, treating their injuries well and, and, and managing them well. So it's a it's a safe-ish bet. You'd definitely jump at them if you yeah. got the chance to yeah. sign one of these blokes. You'd definitely jump at them, mm. I would have thought. Yeah. But I think for the Giants too, like I'd prefer them, instead of then getting these guys after two years, putting them on like a three or 400 grand contract for another couple of years, I'd cut the losses and give all the cash to Dorsal and Zachy Williams and those boys that are, you know, key members of our best 22 and then just yep. take the, and keep the draft picks rolling. Yep. I keep the draft picks rolling, but but that particular trio that you mentioned, Coco, I think you, you sort of try and keep you, – you're realistic yeah, and you, you try and keep, keep one of them. One of them because they're, they're a body and, and player type that is can slot in into an inside yeah. mid-roll nah, when you yeah, inevitably have an injury athletic. mid-season. So, yeah, but, but keeping all three is probably not realistic yeah. or, or good or good list management. That's true. And then um, I just wanted to ask too, Bim, um, we, there's five, speaking about players moving around, there's five ex-Giants at the Bombers now, the most of any club. Is that and right? Yeah, the little yeah. Giants we call you. <laughs> <laughs> like the, uh, no, the award-winning uh, Disney movie from... Of the same name. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that work, but, uh, but uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Yep, the Southern and Giants. <laughs> and I wanted to, I wanted to get your take on which one, which of these players you think was like really great for the club and has been, you know, a real contributor. Oh, not well, just with me, the mouth, not I mean, just with the mouth like Devon Smith is. Yeah. Oh, just and sub question, Bim: Would you be happy with a little orange G on the back of the jerseys where the GPS tracker goes? <laughs> we got so the players are Bim. Before before you comment, Dylan Sheil, Devon Smith, Jacob Townsend started at Giants before he went to Tigers. Andrew Phillips and big uh, James Stewart. Uh, yeah, look, um, I mean, his record speaks for himself. Devon Smith's the best uh, player we've had. Um, yep. Yeah, real terrific player, uh, sensational for our midfield down there. Um, so it's him. I think um, uh, James Stewart has contributed well for us at times, but it's just unlucky he's injured now when Joe Danaher's out. It's it's when you need that, that sort of bloke and he's injured, but that's not his fault, you know. He's a pretty good player, I think. If he was fit, I, I, would, I actually quite like him yeah. as a player. Oh, and I've seen him play well lots of times. He's a yeah. very handy player. Um, yeah. James Stewart, I like him. Um, yeah, Phillips, I, I don't know much about. Um, Townsend, Legend. you're drawing a pretty long bow claiming him. Um, <laughs> I suppose on paper you're right. <laughs> Mate, look him up on Wikipedia a bit. It's right there. 
Um, what I do like, though, uh, I like your idea there, Bart, man, with the G on the GPS. Little G. I was thinking more like, um, you know, in pro cycling, how if you're the world champion, you get to wear the little... Um, oh, rainbow, the rainbow stripe on your shirt. Yep. On, on your sleeve, mm. or if you're the national champion and you have been yeah. in, in the past. So I, I sort of quite like that. You could have that sleeve... Um, you know, so we could have the boys or ex-giants with the orange sleeve. Um, yeah. You know, the tigers we picked up had a yellow sleeve. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. And it, it's it's uh, more extensive depending on years of service. So, for instance, yeah. Deledio would basically have been running around in a, in a Richmond jumper with a, with, yeah. with a, maybe with an orange sash or something, but essentially yeah. the Richmond design. Yeah, I remember yeah. when we and all our blokes got rubbed out for juicing. Oh, know. yeah, that's right. And oh, we yeah. picked up um, Kelly from Geelong. I want to about three hundred and twenty. He did really well for us as well in a pretty thankless. You night. guys, good. you guys should have been running around in like a in like one of those motley jumpers, like the the Harlequin style jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> you sew a little bit together, yeah, just Call, just calling yourselves the Renegades or the Barbarians or something. Yeah, the Barbarians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been the best. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that's it. Yeah. Devon Smith is the uh, is the answer. Well, well, he's won the BNF for us, hasn't he? So um, yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't can't argue with that. Um, plug for Andrew Phillips, though. I thought um, oh, yeah. when the giant, well, sorry, when the Bombers hit a a patch of form post the the Melbourne cancelled game, he was quite good, and I was really happy. I think a lot of us in in Giants land were happy to see him finally have some success after years uh, as a journeyman you know 10 years in the system you know a handful of games across three or four clubs um so a bit disappointed to see that he's now slid back to third on the depth yeah. chart <laughs> but uh, to, to use another american sporting <laughs> phrase but uh hopefully uh there's um you know a contract on the horizon for the poor fella yeah, no, that's right. And I mean, you need you need depth in your ruck stocks, don't you? That's for sure. You're, yeah, you um, do. While we're on the topic of emerging ruckmen, um, can I raise another one? Yes, now, please do. Guys, you guys might not like it. It's, uh, it's about a Bulldogs player. I know oh, is it the well-spoken, well-groomed blonde fella? That, exactly. That, and what I wanted to say about him, you know, this uh, English, you know, he does, he is very softly spoken. I mean, he doesn't talk like a ruckman, does he? No. And um, he's got that funny hair. Yeah. That, you know, it's yeah. blonde and it's buffy. But, you know, yeah. we, we've been watching him um, uh, going around on the TV and, and commenting on his hair, hairdo, which is fairly unconventional. Anyway, you know, the age. One of our other um, uh, media partners, but yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> they published the separated at birth on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> someone who looks like someone else, and they put English up the other week. And you know who, he looked, who they had him looking like? Princess Die. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. It's the That's same genius. It's I was same thinking thing. Billy Idol. <laughs> Billy Idol is boofier. Less spiky, more Princess Die. <laughs> He actually, his coming out game pin was actually against the Giants. He he sliced and diced us yeah, he um, did, earlier yeah. in the year, which I was very upset about at the time. But you know that's just been a launching pad, and now he's on to uh, bigger and better things. It was um, yeah. it was the the duck, the king himself, uh, Wayne Carey, who would not shut up about what a lovely, softly spoken young man he was the other night. He literally used the phrase "softly spoken" about four times in a, a three-minute segment, and it was. Very, yeah, it was just odd. Um, he's obviously quite taken by him, Duck, so sounds like a lovely young fella. And very good, yeah. too. He's silky for a ruckman. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah, I think that's going a bit far, but um, no, look, he goes forward, he takes a mark. 
Um, interesting you bring up Wayne Carey's commentary. I just wanted to cover, if we if we can move on, Coco. And, we can, yeah. And, and cover some of the commentary on the game. Um, you know, like yeah, how your boys were struggling just before halftime. On Friday night, uh, you know, we were torching you guys out of the middle and, and, and just raffling it in the forward line. Yeah. Um, and and the commentators were discussing how the Giants were going to turn it around and Wayne Carey's insight was, you know, well, the senior players will just have to lift and uh, and they'll have to tell the boys they'll have to lift, they'll get around them at half-time. And the other commentator, I think it was BT, said, yeah, but w- what are they actually going to do? <laughs> and Carey still said, no, no, they're, they're, lift. the boys will know what to do. The leaders will lift. <laughs> I don't know if that's, you know, was that, you know... It's not really that insightful, is it? Well, nah. but maybe that's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> Look, oh, if you true. ask the players at the end of a game, Bim, uh, yeah, you know what the difference was, or what happened at half, you know what what was the difference after half time? They'll essentially just paraphrase um, the phrase yeah. "the boys lifted." They'll yeah. say that they'll say that phrase in one of three or four different ways that football. It makes say. you wonder, doesn't it? <laughs> but they know more about it than that. I mean, I remember like a, a great piece of broadcasting. I remember seeing a couple of years ago was when um, I think it was when Filthy Davis um, was it. Do you have a bit of a knee problem a couple of years ago, and he was doing a lot of work behind the mic? Yeah, he was. He was. He was, he was yeah, showing absolutely. up on the desk with. Um, Duck and yep. BT and the boys with you know pair of glasses and a, a yeah, his, Tom Ford glasses. yeah Tom Ford glasses and his beautifully manicured hair. Oh, and fair enough. Mm. But they 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 were playing the the Swans, or maybe it wasn't the Giants playing the Swans, but Davis was still um, yeah. on the microphone, and he just took us through an absolute masterclass about how he plays on Buddy Franklin. Just yes. technical detail, uh, psychological insight, you name it. He was talking through it about you know where you play on Buddy and and so yeah. on, and he's got a great record against him. It was just extremely insightful, um, a standard above what you get from the sort of hype men yeah. behind the behind the mic. They're horrible, aren't they? They're so so bad. Well, what what did Davis say about playing on Buddy? Was it just like you know, try and try and try not to get dominated? <laughs> or Every, no, he's the, he went he's he the went one player. layer deeper than that. <laughs> No, he just said he just said he's the best player of this generation. So every time I got buddy, I just lift. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when I'm when I'm about to jump in the ruck in the marking contest, I just think to myself, lift, <laughs> lift, <laughs> higher Phil. Yeah, it was. No, you'd remember it more than me, Coke. But it, it was something about getting him in, into areas of the ground where he's less dangerous. I, I think, yeah, yeah. Playing him in front, playing him in front when you're deep, and then playing him, you know, playing him outside. That sort of stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And what psychologically? What what did he? What did you? What do you do to get under Buddy's skin? Or do you even want to be under his skin? I probably wouldn't. Well, it was just. Yeah. I probably like to stay really outside good. his skin. <laughs> I don't know, I suppose Tigers boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, all right. So moving on, um, just to go on for next week. So the Giants have got a bye, which I think they're, they're playing in six days. So I'm not really sure on the on the um, fixture. But then they're playing... Yeah, they're, they're playing the Battle of the Bridge against the Swans over in Perth. So I think it's going to be known as the Battle of the Canning Bridge, which... I googled that because I don't know, never been to Perth, and you know, don't really know the major bridges, but thought thought it could be something like that. I'm not sure where the hotels are and which side of uh, Perth we'd like to claim as our own. But uh, I think it's all reversed over there, Coke. I think it's like eastern suburbs are the tough suburbs, western suburbs are the ritzy ones. It's a reverse of your eastern eastern seaboard situation. So we'd be east. The Giants would be out in the east. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. 
Um, and then I think for the Giants, it's just a matter of um, normally we play a couple good games and then, you know, we'll lose a couple. So I think it's – and I think we're a great side, so we just got to show up and we can get the job done. Yeah. And if the boys aren't going well, they need to lift at halftime. <laughs> what about for the uh, – Bim, what can you tell us about the Bombers? Where to from here for the Bombers? Well, um, I mean, we're mid-table. We're trying hard. Um, I think we've adjusted reasonably well to hub life. Um, yep. Interesting thing. One of the players said the other day, I think it, I think it was the number one draft pick, Andy McGrath, that only one of our players has kids, and that's Jakey Stringer. And I know a lot of the players with, um, you know, obviously it's pretty hard if you've got the kids at home and the wife at home and that sort yeah. of thing to, to adjust to hub life with that sort of thing. But if you're single anyway, I mean, it's no different, is it? So, no, the, the boys are loving it. Yeah, the boys will be loving it. It's just, yeah, only one only one play with kids. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what I thought too because, I mean, I know, yeah. um, it's not uncommon for the, uh, you know, the players to have kids and, and have them young and so on. But um, anyway, so that was a surprise for me. So, no, I think we're going all right. I yeah, think, that's a good um, sign. I think, yeah, look, we're mid-table. Um, that's probably where we belong. That's probably where we'll end up. Hopefully, we just keep playing some entertaining footy at times. I mean, as a fan in this in this season, uh, that's all you can hope for as well, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you, you can't get too upset about it. Well, and I know the record, the stat they always talk about for Essendon is, you know, haven't won a final in, you know, since whenever it was. Yeah. Um, when do you see that drought breaking? <laughs> the drought breaking? Well, on the one hand, I don't see... Um, I do like to talk of breaking droughts. I think that's um, I think that's the right term to use. Good water chat in yeah, Australia. That's, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but I think um, winning a final is a little bit overrated. I mean, I think to me, um, making a preliminary final is one thing. Um, yeah, and obviously winning a flag is another. Making a grand final is another thing. But winning yeah. a final, like you can win a final by finishing sixth or seventh. Yeah, you know, beating the other side that scraped in and then getting flogged. So winning yeah, a final, I mean, if you finish in the bottom half of the eight, to me, you finish in the bottom half of the eight, whether you won your first game or not. Um, we have made yeah. scraped scraped into the eight a few times recently. I remember that one a few years yeah. ago. We went over to Adelaide, didn't play a ruckman, and got beaten by about ninety points. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was one where we made the finals and then got kicked out and, and um, oh, yeah. won it instead of us. Um, extending Richmond's drought, I suppose. Yes. Um, but, yeah, other than that, look, it could be this year. It could be. I mean, we're the sort of side. Well, you've got that game in hand. Do you know, is there any yeah. idea what's going to happen with that? Are you, uh, are you, is that going to be made up, the, the Melbourne game? Well, I suppose it will be, um, but man, I mean, no one yeah. knows. They're only re- releasing a draw one game at a time. Yeah, true. Are they? Yeah, true. Um, they're, they're claiming some teams have got buys some weeks and, and not. I suppose they just, it's just, they must be looking at it now. And I mean, I don't know how the fixturing guys are doing it, but they must just be looking at who's still got to play who and where and so on and just try and get yeah, sides sl- in the same state. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're getting to now. And is it possible to do it with a, a break of... You know, at least yeah. yep. four days between games or something. Yep, so God knows how they're doing it, but I suppose it's just in the mix now, isn't it? Um, yeah. The, the Bombers' Ds is a game still to be played. Um, so, I mean, I suppose we'll play. Would you, prefer, would you have preferred, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, to have played them when at that time point on form then versus moving forward on form now? Do you think it's an easier matchup for you now against Melbourne than it, than it would have been... Several weeks ago, 
weeks ago. Well, because Melbourne's sort of they're they're up and down as well, and yeah. no one really knows what's going on with them. Yeah, everyone's yeah, it's so hard this season. I think everyone's up and down, but I think we, I, I Tipster's think, nightmare. You know, us and the D's have been as up and down as anyone, haven't we? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I, I think it's pretty hard to say week to week who's the better side. I mean, quarter to quarter. Yeah, have a look at us. Yeah, you know, we look like world beaters. Yeah. Yeah, in the second quarter, and then all of a sudden can't kick another goal, and the D's are a bit the same. I mean, mm. when the D's look yeah. good, um, they look good. No, mate, when they look good, everyone's calling Christian. So I'm, sitting on, the, I'm sitting on the fence with that one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. All right, great. Um, they wrap we'll him up, move... don't they, Christian Petrarca? Oh, wrap him up oh, like no. a bloody Christmas hamper, and then they have an off week the next week, and you think, oh, did we maybe over overplay that one a little bit? Yeah. I don't, yeah, don't, no, think, I don't think there's been that much self-reflection. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the last quarter, we'll just finish up with play on at all costs. And I wanted to ask Bartman, a tradition we started here within the um, the Squinters last season in our debut podcasting season about um, talking about the new babies. And, you know, you, you welcomed your first child a few months back now. Um, and I just wanted to ask, which Giants player does your child most remind you of at this at this time? Oh, yeah, thank you, Coco. Look, it's, uh, it's a tough one because um, I haven't really thought about him in those terms all that often. But look, just going by the stats, which is, you know, a starting point at least, uh, 98th percentile head circumference. 90th for weight and height at time of birth. Weight slipped back to 75, which is, you know, yeah. where you want to be, really. Yeah, that's Big cool. hands, big feet. Um, and enjoys enjoys sort of peering around corners and staring off into the distance. So it's not really much of a detail uh, guy at this point, more of a, an overview sort of yeah, person. Sure. So I'm thinking back line, uh, key position, uh, yeah. I'm hopeful, you know, of a Des Haynes style uh, oh. intercept marking. <laughs> yeah. um, great vision. I suppose the vision yeah. is, is what I'm sort of trying to he's already, draw a long yeah, bow he's with there. Around corners. Yeah, yeah, round corners, over over shoulders, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, uh, plays a plays a close body checking game at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we'll spe- yeah. we'll spew on you if uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if he feels like it, so yeah, I'm hope- I'm hopeful of a um, a tall, uh, graceful, intercept marking visionary backman in the in the in the style Desi of Haynes. Desi Haynes. Okay. Unfortunately, um, he's doing that thing that babies do where all of the luscious hair he was born with is starting to fall out. So yeah, it remains to be seen whether he'll be able to to mount a a Des Haynes style hairdo. At that age, we'll get a taste of how he does. At the moment, he's more of a George Costanza hairdo. <laughs> Give him time, buddy. Yeah, no, he's only seven weeks old. <laughs> My other question on that note is: um, Will he qualify as a father-son selection for the Giants on the basis of appearances on a fan podcast? Well, like if, as long as you've done fifty, yeah, you, you come in as a father-son. Uh, this is a great question for the Giants' media department, and uh, they're, they're obviously listening, so it's something that we can follow up on. I'd be very keen, obviously, to establish some sort of relationship like this moving forward because we have a f- we have a uh, a plentiful stable of talent, uh, yeah, which they could potentially have first first dibs at if they were play their hands right, play their cards right now. They, they're going to have to start stockpiling draft picks, I'd say, now, wow. if they want to get all of it the is, uh, squinters offspring. Mate, this, they're coming thick and fast, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, the squintlet bloody population has, uh, yeah, it's it's burgeoning. 
<laughs> like many of the suburbs in Western Sydney. Yeah. Well, All right. Did anyone have any uh, any more issues before we wrap up? Don't think so. I just got one uh, bombers matter to to bring to the attention of the group. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, McDonald's Bungwoody, great player, oh, was having great a quiet player. game. Anyway, we threw him into the centre square like we do sometimes to try yes. and um, try and create something. Anyway, um, so what happened was I think I think it was Big Donny Draper tapped it down to him, and AMT burst through, ran onto it, and absolutely lasered it into the forward line. Uh, where Devon Smith had actually gone forward. I don't know if you guys saw this. It, um, it didn't amount to anything, but he's absolutely lasered it. The ball wouldn't have gone more than two metres off the ground. Smith came out on a hard lead, and he couldn't get a hand on it. Like, it's bounced off his shoulder and ricocheted about 30 metres. Like, it was such a low, hard kick. Do you know what it reminded me of, Coco? Having a kick with you at the fishing trip or down at the park. Yes. Like, you go to chip him around. All the, all, the, all the amateurs are here popping him up like Dylan Shield, and then you get, get it to Coco, and he just... Laces it at your face. Yeah. <laughs> Daisy cutters only, Bim. Yeah, that's right. So that's how Devon Smith would have felt, like me, having a kick with you. <laughs> I tried to find the vision, but it didn't thanks, make the mate. highlights real, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, thanks, Bim. That is a great note to finish on. Yeah. Um, so thanks, everyone. And as before, please email us or get us on Instagram or Twitter and send us in some questions and theories, as always. Um, many thanks for your time today, guys. Um, Bartman and Bim we uh, might try and get you back next time uh, after the grand final when it's uh, Giants and Bombers yeah um, <laughs> alright that's yeah look uh, back to the lockdown for us I suppose Coco <laughs> what, yeah, while we've it. still got the internet we can still reach out uh, it's good to be here alright thanks, thanks Bartman thank thanks, you Coco. never surrender Bim can you say never surrender Oh, never surrender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never surrender the giant appetite. <laughs>
Stephen Kenny Elio for another.